Welcome back to the Byline Breakdown. I'm Mike Moliterno. Today, we're going to talk about one of the big players in the EV market, Taiwanese tech giant Foxconn, who has set up their North American operations inside the former General Motors Lordstown Assembly Complex. In October, I, along with managing editor of the business journal Dan O'Brien, got the opportunity to spend a day inside the plant talking with employees and upper-level executives and seeing what their day-to-day operations look like. So joining me once again is Dan O'Brien, who wrote three stories based on that day, which you can now read in the November issue of the Business Journal. Dan, thank you very much for coming back. Sure thing, Mike. So your story um, begins in Lordstown and more specifically inside of Rick Rajay's office, which you describe as sparsely decorated. Could you just tell us a little bit about the atmosphere there? Sure. It In past executive offices that I've visited over the years, there's usually the sense of nice furniture and comfort and all of these trappings uh, that executives normally have. Uh, so when I walked into Rick's office, I was quite struck at the absence of all of that. It uh-huh. was quite interesting. And uh, he explained uh, to, to me there that, that listen, uh, you know, I don't believe in titles or egos and all that kind of stuff. And he said, all of this furniture here is very simple. I mean, his desk was uncluttered. <laughs> there was nothing on it, if you remember that. And, and I don't uh, think there was anything uh, on it. I don't it. think there was a phone on, on, yeah. <laughs> on his desk, actually. And uh, two chairs facing uh, the desk, a small little bistro table and a small table in the back with a few chairs. And other than that, it was a interestingly sparse office. So it told me that just that gesture alone kind of looks like a different means of management that had been perhaps in place in more traditional settings and more traditional corporate settings that I'd been exposed to in the past. And uh, as, as he said, this, this furniture was cheap, it was practical, it was from Ikea. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then it was part of the culture that I think they want to weave into Foxconn North America. And setting a stage for doing business in a very different way, I think, than they had been accustomed to, especially in that plant, for example, when General Motors owned it and operated it for 50-some years. So it was, uh, it's, it's generally a very different atmosphere altogether when you walk into the plant and uh, talk to some of these executives. You've covered General Motors. You've covered the Lordstown plant. What were some of the, I guess, differences that you saw there in regards to, I guess, management style and culture? What were some of the, anything stand out? What was really different from what I had seen before at General Motors was the traditional traditional methods of manufacturing a vehicle. You know, you have assembly lines, you have a particular part of the vehicle rolling down the assembly line, you have different stations doing a particular job. In this case, while you, you, you have some of that, um, you have a workforce that seems to be able to multitask in terms of knowledge of how to build a particular vehicle. In this case, the Monarch Tractor, which is under production at Foxconn right now, So I get the sense that the workforce 
is more broadly trained than what it had been in a more traditional atmosphere under General Motors, for example. It's not as big, obviously. I mean, you don't have as many people working there, and you don't have motorized assembly lines as they're rolling down the tracks and, and, and then uh, um, completing these products for sale and testing and so forth uh, on, on that kind of speed. But nevertheless, it is uh, quite different. And I think that was brought to our attention by... I think the manager of General Assembly. Yes, Ray Root. Ray Root. Yeah. Who had been there since 1999 or something. Yes. And yes. worked there under General Motors and and basically said that he was training as opposed to teaching somebody to do a specific task, put in a bolt or something. He was teaching them to build the entire tractor. Yeah, that was <laughs> what fascinated me, I think, in this case. And what was a big difference from what I'd seen in the past is when talking to Mr. Root, he had worked there at General Motors at the Lordstown plant in the late 1990s until uh, they closed. And he said that that time you would be training somebody to bolt in a stereo or bolt in a specific piece at the vehicle and you'd do that same repetitive process. Uh, here, he spent some time in Livermore, California, learning how to build this particular tractor. And it was his charge to train all of his employees on that General Assembly line how to build that tractor. So they're really able to build an entire tractor here, not just simply perform one task right. or two tasks, but rather multiple tasks in order to create a finished product. And that's what I think is kind of extraordinary about that. Uh, I'd never really seen that before on an assembly line, on a vehicle assembly line. And uh, this was quite different. Well, it wasn't even really an assembly line. What, what looked so different to me was seemed to be tractors in various stages of being assembled with a few people standing around them, just putting them together. Right. It there wasn't, was no, you know, the, the tractor wasn't moving down a line or anything. It was just, it just looked very informal. Yes. It, <laughs> you know, it wasn't the traditional assembly line in the right. sense that we remember it or uh, I've seen before. It's not motorized. It's not mechanized. You're not having them roll down the line as you saw a number of Chevrolet cruises in the past and things it like that. It wasn't this Instead, tractor will be complete in one hour. No, it no, will hit no. This, this stage this and it'll come off the line. This is a hands on, detailed, uh, effort in which they're performing a number of tasks and a number of duties in order to complete a single product, mm -hmm. almost as if they're building something from scratch, uh, in, in, in this case, uh, creating a, uh, an, an autonomous optional tractor uh, that is going to be uh, deployed first out west and, and uh, wherever customers are that may need this. And they're even the the job that I want is they're even test driving the tractors because <laughs> you talk about because I thought that was actually kind of neat um, and and the public can go and watch them test drive the tractors um, just outside the plant. Sure, when it's ready to go, they they test drive it. They take it around uh, the back lot there and uh, they they don't open it up full blast from what I saw, but they right. were actually putting it through the motions and making sure all of the elements are working properly in it. And uh, so they take it around the track a few times and uh, drive it around the back lot. And if everything checks out, uh, they perform more tests on it probably. And then they go from there. But a finished tractor comes out of that plant now 
and one that is generally on the forefront of this particular market and this particular space in the EV market. And they're excited to be a part of it, at least Foxconn. I mean, they said they're very excited to be a part of this particular product out there. So if you go drive down Halleck Young Road at pretty much any given time of the day, you're going to see a handful of those tractors just kind of <laughs> going in circles, driving all over the parking Going through the motions, going through yeah. maneuvers, and testing just about every aspect of it, make sure everything's functional. And, yeah, uh, it's kind of it's kind of a strange sight to see in the the you know the, the dark. Uh, Northeast Ohio fall sky and this giant concrete, you know, parking lot and these tractors almost going around slow motion like zombies and stuff. It's just kind of well, yeah, it's a different. It's, anyway. it's a completely different market. I mean, yeah, we, you know, ten years ago, who would have thought you'd be seeing something like that at that particular plant? I mean, right, you're used to seeing cars being pumped out there and in that lot, and some of them inventory on hold and so forth like that. But now they've. Uh, they're building tractors out of there right now. So, and they expect a whole lot more coming out of that plant. So your story focuses a lot on the culture that they're establishing there at Foxconn. Are there any other examples or any other instances, something else you saw, some other stories that you can relate? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, each morning they'll meet uh, before each shift and they'll engage in a number of exercises just to stretch out, um, employees performing some simple ergonomic routines that enable them to loosen their joints, loosen their necks, loosen their shoulders up, kind of a way to rejuvenate the body after you've been sleeping because it's an early morning start around six in the morning. It's when the shift begins and uh, it, it limbers them up in order to, you know, get them going uh, to work because even in a manufacturing setting, even in this case, you're going to perform some repetitive tasks and some tasks that are um, that that take a toll on your joints and ligaments and particular parts of of your body. So you need this sort of early calisthenics, if you will, right. for a few minutes. I mean, it's it's not like a half hour workout or anything like that, but it it does uh, sort of wake you up and get you moving for the day. And that's the intent behind the company performing these exercises every morning is to loosen up that workforce, make sure that they are, uh, that, that they don't cramp up, you know, that there's no really physical issues that would impede not only their work, but also keep them safe and healthy. So for somebody who may have been in the, the plant during General Motors time there, um, could you talk a little bit about what you saw while you were there uh, as far as, you know, what, what that plant looks like today or what's going on inside of it today? Well, uh, it, it's certainly not as crowded as right. it was in the past. There's 450 employees at Foxconn and maybe another 100 or so contractors working there right now. Um, in the past, uh, when Lordstown... Uh, General Motors Lordstown closed. There was roughly 1,500 or so working there. And that was the final shift. You can multiply that by three uh, at, at, uh, when it was working just a few years earlier. Um, you've seen some open spaces where there once was some assembly going on. 
Uh, now that might be replaced with uh, other forms of, of assembly, for example, battery assembly. Um, you don't see, at least in the part of the plant that we were at, mm -hmm. you didn't see a lot of uh, robotics as of yet there. Um, so it, it's hard to really gauge since we were, we didn't really tour the entire plant. But if you go into the West plant, you'll see more, I think, of the autonomous tools there. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot when I was, when, when we were out there in, the, in that particular part of the plant. But it looks like a really different model underway at Foxconn. This is a completely different business sense as you had before. And, and what I mean by that is that Foxconn acts as a contract manufacturer. The OEMs contract Foxconn to manufacture this for them. And that's something that's pretty new to the Mahoning Valley, especially in a new and upcoming market such as the EV segment. And this is still playing out here. And it's gonna take a while, of course, for that market to really become integrated into full public use and adoption. But I think in, in this case, their, their business strategy is far different than any other OEM that has really operated in this particular region. Uh, they are the largest electronics contract manufacturer in the world. Now they're using that basis to manufacture EVs here and in Taiwan as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops over the years and the, to find out exactly what types of products would fit in that plant, what sort of workforce, workforce they're going to need, and how that is going to have a, a real impact here in the Mahoning Valley. We'll dig into how Foxconn is planning to bring additional products to the plant right after this break. Attention all business enthusiasts in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. The Business Journal has been your trusted partner since 1984, giving insights, updates, and fostering growth in your region. From Mahoning to Mercer, from Columbiana to Lawrence, we've got you covered. For just $10 a month or $99 a year, unlock our digital troves or get both print and digital for only $99 a year. Make the smart business choice. Subscribe now. Uh, during your interview, uh, the vice president of operations for Foxconn EV North America, Rick Rajay, said something to the effect of, we will be making big products in this plant and, and soon. He was kind of talking about the workforce needs and how they're they're ramping up their efforts to train people for the products that he says are coming. So I guess you talked with Rick, you talked with um, several other people who are working to fill that plant up. I guess, what were your thoughts from some of those conversations? Well, I think, number one, they, Rick Raji is confident about bringing new products into the plant. One of the challenges for Foxconn is finding out what customer fits them best. And with that, they're going to bring a diversity of different EVs. Uh, one could possibly be a passenger vehicle. One could be, say, a cargo van. One could be a, 
a, a truck. One could be uh, a, a tractor that we're seeing there right now. We, we just don't know. And, and they, you know, and, but, but they're talking with a number of different companies right now. And it, they've got to vet which ones make the best business sense. What's the best market for them? Is this going to sell on that, in that market? And another challenge for them, I, I would think at least, is when you have all of these different platforms and these different OEMs and these different designs, you know, how do you coexist all of these different products into a single plant? Now it's a big plant. It's 6.2 million square feet. So they've got plenty of room to play with. But I would still think it would be a, a, a daunting challenge to put all this together. But they seem very confident they can do it. They seem very uh, excited about doing this. And they certainly seem, at least from what I saw so far, committed to doing it and trying to create a diverse menu of products out of that plant now. Any surprises? Um, while you're covering this story, anything unexpected pop up? The jambalaya was very good. <laughs> I was going to say lunch was lunch was delicious. Yeah, I mean that's one thing too. That um, the not, not that I was surprised by it, but but uh, you know every day these employees meet uh, at, at the lunchroom, and it's not just one shift going here at this time and this time at this time. They're all coming together at the same lunch period around 11 o'clock. And uh, when you're talking to uh, others there and when you talk to um, Earl Ross, the culinary director there, he says, listen, what they can do is exchange ideas, exchange some different you know, thoughts on their work schedules and how that might apply to the entire manufacturing process who knows but um, there's a lot of interaction going on during lunch hour and when Foxconn as an international company brings in guests from all over the world you can actually see the cuisine change along with that mm -hmm. according to Mr. Ross. Well I thought, I thought that was interesting because um, I always had friends and, and relatives who worked out at GM and it was pretty common after the shift to go to Ross's uh, just down the road and grab something to eat, grab a drink or something. And Earl Ross is the owner of Ross's and he's, as you said, the culinary director there. So I thought it was just pretty interesting that he still has a relationship with that plant and that they yeah. hired him to cook lunch for them every single day. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a diverse menu too. Every day is different. Any final thoughts about the story? Anything else that was of note or interesting that you'd like to share? For this first segment, it was generally focused on the cultural shift that you see underway at that plant. And I think it's demonstrated in, in several examples, you know, throughout the whole facility and means of production to, you know, supervision and, and, and uh, even up to the executive uh, vice president's office. So, I think what they want to do is first establish that. And it's a significant change from what it was, you know, five, six years ago. And from there, once that is, I think, firmly established, uh, they'll move on and develop that workforce accordingly. And as that workforce develops, 
uh, so too will the product flow. Or as the product flow develops, so too will the workforce. Now, um, they understand full well that the challenges in Northeast Ohio for finding that workforce are pretty steep at the moment. So I imagine they'll uh, recruit from just about anywhere, including, of course, first and foremost, the Mahoney Valley. And they've got a number of training partnerships underway right now, as we know, with Youngstown State University and Eastern Gateway Community College. So uh, we'll we'll see how that develops as demand and new products flow in and out of that plant. Well, they've been uh, all those other locales have been stealing our citizens for decades now. So if Foxconn wants to take people from uh, around the country and bring them here, I say I'm all for it. Me too. Yeah. We got plenty of room for them. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Dan. And uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with another episode of the Byline Breakdown. Until then, I'm Mike Moliterno. You wouldn't drive a car without a map. So why navigate the business world of Northeastern Ohio and Western Pennsylvania without the Business Journal? Trusted since 1984, we're the compass pointing you to growth and prosperity. Digital, print, why not both? We've got subscription options tailored for every business-savvy individual. Light up your path to success. Subscribe to the Business Journal today.